0: This is Luther's sermon on Sexagesima Sunday, preached in 1534. The text is Luke chapter 8, verses 14 to 15. Sorry, verses 4 to 15. And when much people were gathered together, and were come to him out of every city, he spake by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it, and some fell upon a rock. And as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away, because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And others fell on good ground, and sprang up, and bare fruit an hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? And he said, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil, and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. They on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. And that which fell among the thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth, and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to perfection. But that on the good ground are they, which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it, and bring forth fruit in patience. Amen. Luther's Sermon Dearly beloved, today's gospel teaches us that Christ our dear Lord gathers to himself four kinds of disciples. They all hear God's pure word, yet only the fourth and last group retains it and brings forth fruit. We should very carefully study this gospel, so that each of us may examine himself to determine to which group he belongs. Hopefully we will belong among those who spring out of the good soil, among whom the word bears fruit. Those who belong to the first class, the Lord says, are like the seed which fell by the wayside. It does not bear fruit, because it is either trampled on or the birds eat it up. Those belonging to the second class are the people who hear the word and not only discuss it, but also believe it, growing quickly and nicely like seed that falls on soil that is stony. But as soon as a hot summer's day comes along, the plant withers, since it has neither roots nor moisture. At first, the word is precious for these people. But when trial and persecution come, they, and they have to endure a little, a little suffering, they fall away and do not bring forth fruit with patience. Those who belong to the third class are the most easily recognized of all. They are the Christians who are like seed that falls among thorns. Even though it grows vigorously at first, it fails to come to maturity because it is choked by the thorns. But those of the fourth group are the righteous those whose hearts receive and retain the word until it brings forth fruit with patience. These are the righteous who suffer for the sake of the word, who are very faithful and obedient servants of God and show love to their neighbor. They persevere and bring forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. So let each of us examine his own heart and determine to which class he belongs. The first three classes of disciples hear the word without being benefited or bearing any fruit. But particularly troubling are those who belong to the first class. Those by the wayside are they that hear, says the Lord. Then cometh the devil, and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Mark these words well. I never would have dared to presume that the hearts of those who hear the word, and yet pay it no heed, ignore it, and give it no further thought, were possessed of the devil. We would like to think that there is no particular danger involved in heedless hearing and not retaining the word, and that those who act thus are simple, inattentive people, with a natural trait of forgetting what they have heard preached. But Christ assesses things differently here, stating that it is the devil who takes the word out of their hearts. Here we have the verdict upon people, young and old, who hear the word preached and walk away as though they never heard it, with no intention of giving it heed. These people cannot say that they have the Holy Spirit. They are the devil's own. He is their master. He reaches into their hearts and plucks out the word. The result is other perversities. They are disobedient, dishonest, self-centered, proud, implacable, and greedy. They want everybody to be subservient to them while they are unwilling to serve anyone. In contrast... Where the word remains in the heart and people diligently ponder it, there it fashions hearts which are pure, obedient, faithful, selfless, ready to help, humble, and gentle. The first group is the worst, and their behavior displeases the Lord very much. He reproaches no other class as he does this one. The devils, Christ says, who are always around, take the word from their hearts so that they do not espouse it, They are of the opinion that nothing much is lost when they let the word in one ear and out the other. But if we want to know what the loss is, then listen to what Christ has to say. For his judgment is better than that of the world, and he states that it is the devil who instigates this. When, therefore, you meet such a person, or you yourself are no more responsive to preaching than a log, just like our greedy burghers and peasants, also our adversaries, papists, for whom all preaching, singing, and exhortation has as much effect as striking water with a rod, you may conclude that none other but the devil is in control of their hearts. He does not allow the good thing they hear to enter their hearts, but at once frisks it away so that they do not believe, nor are they saved. For were the devil devil not there... Or were this forgetfulness natural and innate, some indeed are more easily taught than others. There at least would be desire there, and they would say, O God, how thick-headed can I be? Grant me your grace and open my heart, so that I may be attentive to and retain what I hear when your word is preached. Among such folks who long for the word and want to retain it, there the devil finds neither room nor abode, else the lodging would be lacking. But the former do not change." To them, the loss of a penny or some other trifling thing would be a greater loss. You can be sure the devil is present there, and let no one think differently. This group that hears the word and pays no heed is the largest. The word goes in one ear and out the other. Furthermore, along comes the devil and snatches the word right out of their hearts. Now we must note very carefully the judgment which Christ pronounces upon this class, and to be forewarned, for he gives it over to the devil. The other two classes are not so wicked, but they are nonetheless very weak. There is a little beginning. They take note of some things, even start to believe. For this reason, the Lord does not give them entirely over to the devil, as he did the first class, even though they as yet do not bear fruit. The second group is composed of those who do not persevere under persecution and remain steadfast. Instead, they are like wormy fruit that continues to hang on the tree while the air is calm, but falls off as soon as the wind blows. For a while, the Lord says, they believe. But as soon as tribulation comes along, they grow terrified and are unwilling to endure suffering. As a result, the fruit of eternal life will also remain beyond reach, along with all other fruits which proceed from the word and faith. The third class consists of those who neglect the word because of gre- the great cares and the pleasures of this life. For whoever is obsessed by worldly cares, whose sole concern is how high he can climb and how rich he can become, will have a heart that is encumbered, as Christ says, Luke 21:34. And as a result, the word is choked within him, like the seed among the thorns. Work we must, and each of us is to work most diligently and industriously in his calling. This is not forbidden but commanded, but to scratch and scrape and to be concerned merely with temporal cares, with money and possessions. These are thorns which choke the word of God in the heart so that it cannot grow and bear fruit. Such a person is concerned more with other things, giving no thought to anything else. For these three groups, the word is of no effect. Certainly this is no minor loss, but a great and frightful loss which the heart cannot fully comprehend. Consequently, the Lord admonishes us earnestly, as St. Matthew writes, Take heed, therefore, how ye hear. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given. Whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away even that which he has. Matthew 13, verse 12. By such a word... Christ gives us to understand that he is not talking about ordinary things, but about the word of God. Those who have it in their hearts will be saved, and those who do not have it will be damned. A person should, therefore, be steadfastly devoted to it, and not trifle with it as though it were an indifferent thing. It is not a trivial matter. It does no good for a person to think he would like to become interested in a Uh, for a while, thinking to himself, I shall study and believe God's word after I've tried other options and have accumulated all other things that I consider important. Take care. Do not deceive yourself. So let's rouse ourselves to diligence and be found among those who belong to the fourth class, also earnestly praying that we may with ready hearts accept and retain God's word and bring forth good fruit. Now this little band constitutes the precious saints Not the Pope's saints with their hoods and tauntures who read masses fast, wear strange garments and the like, but those who hear God's word, whose worst enemies and most violent persecutors are the Pope and his, quote, saints. They hear the word and bring forth fruit a hundredfold, that is, bountifully, beyond measuring, or as Matthew puts it, some bring forth a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty, meaning that some produce more than others. For just as people's callings or offices differ, so also do the fruits. A preacher serves the church to a greater degree than a workman who devotes himself only to his domestic affairs, and yet both are Christians, redeemed from sin and death through Christ and heirs of eternal life. May we be found within this class, despite it being the smallest. However, to this, as Christ says, we must add a good and honest heart, that is, a heart which in the first place is not listless, but really intent on the word of God. Such a heart must, above all else, have fidelity, if the devil is not to come and snatch the word away. Second, the heart must be firm and steadfast, not weak and timid, allowing itself neither to be led astray and become frightened, nor swayed by people's favor or disfavor. For if we do not fear and love God above all else, his word will not continue long since it is constantly being assailed. The devil devil can neither endure nor tolerate it. He is a taskmaster who never lets up, forever and ever driving his servants, never allowing them to be idle as we see things going on all the time among the papists. Third, the heart must be purged and swept clean so that no thorns remain in it. That is, we must no longer love possessions, money, fame, and pleasures more than God's word and the life which is to come, No, nor be more concerned with secular affairs than with God's word, as Christ says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. So where the heart is circumspect, focused, steadfast, and swept clean, there you find a heart that is good and honest, producing good fruit without fail and with patience, to be sure, trial and tribulation, adversity and temptation will not be lacking, as St. Paul says, Second Timothy 3.12. All that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. May we be ready to meet such eventuality, and as Christ says, possess our souls in patience, and in the meantime take recourse in prayer. For it never fails, we must confess, that we are, unfortunately, assaulted on all sides, with no let-up in sight. And naturally, it is quite out of the question for us earthlings ever to be able to turn our backs on the temporal. Nor does the devil rest. He tries in various ways to take the word of God away from us, and also to burden us with cares, greed, pride, anger, and all manner of mischief. As we know, there have been many good people whom greed, ambition, fornication, and the like have not over. Uh, have not overcome and deterred from the word. We need to be on guard against the weakness and infirmities in our nature, against succumbing to false security, but petitioning God for his Holy Spirit. For we have the clear, comforting assurance of Luke 11.13, How much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? That he might remove such obstacles... Sweep out those thorns and thistles from our hearts so that we can continue to hear and retain God's word and bring forth the good fruit by faith in Christ, through which faith we not only live in obedience to God but also become God's children and heirs. The main reason this seed is sown, that is, that this gospel is proclaimed in all the world, is to create and work fruit in us which endures into eternity. Now then, this parable also tells us not to be surprised if we see that the word does not bring forth fruit in every case. For we learn that it is the Lord himself who sets up four divisions of only one. The smallest group is truly upright. The other three classes are actually worthless. We must let them go and not become disturbed when we see that there are more who despise than accept the word. It is in the nature of the gospel that wherever it is preached, there three types of unworthy hearers appear while the fourth is good and upright. And yet the fault lies not with the word, nor with the one who preaches, as the blind papists charge, like a ranting crazies they are. They think they can defame us and make our gospel all the more offensive by charging us with the offenses the devil has stirred up ever since the gospel was first proclaimed. In evidence thereof, isn't it so that when Christ himself, along with John and his apostles, preached, weren't there also great offenses? And weren't great sins committed? When John the Baptist stood up and preached, people came running. They listened to him again and again, saw that he was a holy man, and yet he had to hear himself defamed as out of his mind and possessed as of a devil. And King Herod, who was delighted in listening to him, as the evangelists report, Not only did not bring forth fruit, but also finally had him put to death. Yes, they heard Christ, God's son in person. They saw him raise the dead, perform great miracles, and yet they nailed him to the cross. Why not clamor there too? Ah, John, Christ, the apostles. They did not have the true gospel, or they were not true preachers, since the people remained wicked and should have mended their ways if the teaching was pure. But here is where they must remain silent if they don't want to expose themselves as foes and blasphemers of Christ, indeed as antichrists. But they go on thinking that they have just cause to reproach us and our doctrine. However, we want to let the matter involving our doctrine rest without apologizing for why we hold to it and why we will not be driven from it. We simply call attention to the words of our dear Lord Jesus, who says that the seed is the word. Now there is not a single papist so senseless and foolish who would dare say that the word about which Christ is speaking here is an evil word or is false teaching. What, however, does Christ say about the good pure seed? What does he explain? That only a fourth of it takes root and bears fruit. Who then can deny that the world is evil even though the word and its preaching are upright and good and that they will bear fruit? As I said above, we do not want to talk about our doctrine and explain why we hold to it, but the papists must acknowledge, who who knows whether they will or they will not, that although preaching is pure and the preacher pious, the world nevertheless remains evil and does not improve itself through the use of God's word. Christ's Word plainly states that only a fourth part of the seed bears fruit, and his own experience, to say nothing of John's and the Apostle's experience, exhibits the fact that not everyone was ready to believe and accept the Word. The majority of the people are and remain evil and without fruit. Only a limited number, a fraction, repent and come to faith. If this now was the experience of Christ, God's Son, and the greatest preacher, is it any wonder that it was the experience of John the Baptist, the apostles, and ours today as well? Therefore, to fault the doctrine and say that it is no good amounts to saying that the seed which falls by the wayside on the rocks and among the thorns is also no good. But we must turn this around and not blaspheme God. His word is the seed which is being sown." This word, in truth, is pure and good, and by its very nature can do nothing but bear fruit. The fact, however, that it does not bear fruit everywhere, is not the fault of God and his word, but the fault of the soil which is not good, and in which as a result the seed must remain unproductive and decay. The papists, therefore, have no ground on which to fault our doctrine, and call it false because so many are offended by it, They ought rather reproach themselves and all others who do not possess a pure heart. For the blame does not lie with the word, but with the people's hearts. They are unclean and impure and and either despise the word or fall away from it under duress or are choked by the cares, riches, and pleasures of this life. So let everyone learn from this parable that it will always be this way with the gospel. Some will be converted but there are probably three times more who will take offense. There are, therefore, not only all manners of gross sins and offenses, but also, as the Lord says, a mischief which is punished with such blindness, that these hearers of the gospel, who have eyes to see but do not see and ears to hear but do not understand, are unable to discern and pass judgment as regards the gospel. Finally, we should note that as the Lord concludes this parable, he cries out loudly, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, listen to God's word while you have it. The time may come when you would like to hear it, but it may not be there for you. Therefore give ear to it diligently while you have it, for he who despises is overcome by darkness, as the Lord says, John twelve thirty five. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you. May our dear Lord Jesus Christ grant us his grace so that we may diligently hear his word, retain it in a pure heart, and bring forth fruit in patience. Amen. This has been Luther's sermon from the House Postal, preached on Sesagesima Sunday in 1534 on the Gospel, Luke chapter 8, verses 4 to 15.